What am I going to do today? Some of y'all are wondering that about me, but actually that's a question. That how many of you get up and think that on most days? Anybody? How many get up and think, I already know what my schedule is planned out for the week? Okay, see, there, then there's those people. And, uh, and it seems like we kind of get stuck <clears throat> sometimes in that little rut of, I know what Monday is, I know what Tuesday is, I have these little things. But even if you're in that place, have you ever had this moment? Have you ever had that moment where all of a sudden the planets line up and everything works out to where everybody else in the house is gone? You ever had that moment? And then you really go, what am I going to do today? Have you ever, you ever thought that? It's, it's always tough when you have that kind of a freedom all of a sudden and you've never had that before. It's almost overwhelming to think I can do any, I can eat whatever I want. I can eat when I want. I can eat what I want. I can do what I want. I can do this now. I can do this later. So the question for us a lot of times when we're facing situations like that or even in, in our life in general is this. What's the best use of my freedom? That's the question we really want to tackle today as we continue our series called Together. Now the idea behind this series is we've been working through the book of Galatians. We've been watching as Paul has written this letter to the church and he's encouraging them because there have been people who have been trying to, to lead the church astray, lead them away from what Paul is teaching. And they've been trying to put these burdens on people to follow these, these rules that aren't rules that really need to be followed in your Christian faith anymore. Maybe they were there at one point in time, but now they're just these burdens and they they don't have the same meaning that they did before. Paul is encouraging the Galatians to say, you came to know Christ by faith and now you're trying to work your salvation out with these works and and that's not what we should be doing. And, And he encourages them that it's actually in Christ that you have freedom and that's what we read last week. And then he picks up this thought again In Galatians 5, beginning in verse 13, he says these words. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. And and he's just reiterating what he has been sharing with them over and over. You don't need to shackle yourselves down. You don't need to burden yourselves down anymore. You need to understand that Christ has given us freedom. You were called to be free. But then he changes his tone just a little bit, and he says, let me give some instruction for this freedom. And here's what he says. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. See, isn't that what we do sometimes? What am I going to do today? Everybody's gone. The house is to myself. I can do whatever I want. I'm going to play video games for 23 hours straight. Maybe I'll sleep an hour in there somewhere. I'm going to get to the next level of this. I'm going to read this book uninterrupted. I'm going to do and all of a sudden we get this freedom and it is very natural for us to get to this point that when we have our freedom the first thing that comes to mind is what am I going to do for myself and what Paul is saying is look you have this freedom but let me challenge you with this different question do not use your freedom to indulge in the flesh rather serve one another humbly in love for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command love your neighbor as yourself If you bite and devour each other, watch out, or you'll soon be destroyed by each other. And then he goes on, and he kind of talks to us about how you can do this. He says in verse 16, so I say, 
Walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit. And the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with one another. So that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, then you are not under the law. Again, going back to what he's been talking about the whole time with the church of Galatians. You're either trying to follow the law, and if you're trying to follow the law, you have to follow the whole law, which is impossible to follow. Or you're led by the Spirit. And he goes on and he tells us this, but if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law anymore. So he's actually continuing to play out this thought. And then he says... Which I think would be a natural point. You get to this point and you say, okay, well, Paul, what does this look like? And he just spells it out for him. He says the acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. And then he says, but the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of walking in the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying one another. So let's work through this just a little bit. Paul is just reiterating what he's been saying from the first with the Galatians. You are free. Now, I've said, and I hope it's beginning to sink in, and I don't mean this in any any disrespectful way at all but a lot of times our idea of freedom is a little bit misguided because if we really and truly embrace freedom freedom means that you are free you're free to do whatever you choose to do and if we truly embrace freedom that means that my neighbor is choose is free to choose to do whatever they want to do now the consequences of the choices we make obviously are still there. But freedom itself really means that we are free to choose. So that's what we need to understand is that freedom offers me a choice. When I'm absolutely free, just like waking up in the morning and, oh my gosh, nobody's here today. I've got the whole place to myself. I can do whatever I want. I now have choices. Freedom offers me a choice. I'm either going to do things for me or I'm going to do things for others. I'm either going to follow my desires or I'm going to follow the Spirit's desires. I'm either going to put me first or I'm going to put God's way first. Now, we've said this many times in here that I, I truly believe that the real struggle in life is not between God and evil per se. It's between God and self. We're either going to follow God's way or we're going to follow our own way. And, and when we choose to follow our own way enough then that actually leads us to do evil things. When we're following God's way, it leads us to do godly things. I don't think any of us get up with a desire to go, how can I ruin somebody else's life? How can I destroy things? How can I be evil? That's not it. But we have these selfish desires that creep in and say, I'm just going to do life for me. I'm going to live for me. I'm going to do things for me. I'm going to take care of me. 
You see, the question for us is not, am I free? The question is, what am I going to do with my freedom? Not only in Christ do we have that, but we are fortunate enough to live in a country that allows us freedoms as well. And so we even have choices within our society, within our community, of what am I going to do with my freedom? And so the, the question here, when Paul brings this phrase, he says, but do not use your freedom <coughs> to indulge the flesh, rather serve one another humbly in love. That just brings up a natural question, doesn't it? Why? Paul, why would I want to do that? I mean, I got all day to myself. I got my life to myself. I'm a self-made man. I've got these things. Why would I want to take the things that I have and sometimes the things that I've invested in that I've deserved, ooh, that's a dangerous word sometimes, or that I've earned, why would I want to take those things for, that I've worked hard for and just lay them down for the rights of others? That's a question I think we all have to struggle with. We're going to get into that in just a little bit. But I want to just say this. One little understanding about freedom that we need to, we need to let sink into our head is that Jesus Christ paid for our freedom fully knowing that we may choose to spend that freedom on ourselves, You need to let that sink in. A lot of times we like to give people freedom, but if they don't use that freedom in a way that we like, we like to take that freedom away from them, right? But biblically, that's not what we see. A verse that we go back to often here at First Baptist Church, it's part of our vision, is that, that Romans 5.8 tells us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us, meaning that we didn't do anything to deserve this. Christ took initiative. Christ took the actions toward us. We, we had not worked in any way to deserve this. This is the example of God. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us so that we could have freedom, and then we have the choice to spend that freedom any way that we want. So Jesus died on the cross, he offers us freedom, fully understanding that it is possible that we will take that freedom and we will turn it all the way to self and we will spend it all on ourselves, Not doing anything for him, not doing anything for others. That is a real possibility, which is why Paul takes the time to write to the church, look, let me tell you something, do not use your freedom on the flesh, but yet serve one another humbly in love. Now I gotta tell you something, it takes intention to wake up in the morning and change your tune from what am I going to do today to who can I help today? How can I serve someone today? What can I do that's going to be different for somebody else? Because we just naturally think about me, 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 me. It's natural. And so we have to change our tune if we're going to do this. And this is what Paul is encouraging us to do. And I want to just tell you this, though. There's a truth that happens, and we'll, we'll flesh this out in a little bit. When I use my freedom for others, we both benefit. There's something that Paul understood. When I choose to take the freedom that I have, the choices that I have, and I choose to use those for the benefit of others, I choose to invest in other people, something amazing happens in God's economy. In God's economy, when we do those things, we both benefit. Now, if you're a logical person, or maybe you're a person who doesn't know God's economy or doesn't even really believe that there's a God out there, you probably live under this understanding that if I have something and I give it away, I don't have it anymore. And that makes logical sense. If I have a banana and I give it to Kathy, I don't have the banana anymore, but I need the banana for later, Kathy, so I'm going to keep my banana, all right? 
But it, that would make logical sense that if I have something and I give it away, then I don't have it anymore. But there is a truth that happens in God's economy because Genesis 1.1 tells us that in the beginning, God created. And we serve a God that is a creator. And you hear me say this often if you've heard me talk about this, is that in God's economy, this amazing thing happens that he blesses us with stuff, with abilities, with time, with talents, with money. And we give those things away to honor him. And an amazing thing happens is that we both benefit. Is that when we're good stewards of the things that God has given us, whether it's our time, whether it's our talents, whether it's our freedoms, and we use them to benefit others, then we have a father that says, I want to give them more of that so more of that happens. And amazingly, the creator God continues to supply our every need, even though we continue to give away things that are ours. Now you think about that logically for a while and your head will fall off your shoulders because it makes no sense. But I promise you in God's economy it works, and this is exactly what Paul is saying. Don't use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. Because only God has the ability to multiply that which you give away. God has the ability to multiply that which you give away. And it's an amazing thing that happens. But you know what happens when you hold on? to your freedoms or when you hold on to your rights or when you hold on to things too long, you don't realize you're doing this, but you're kind of building this wall around yourself. And it's hard to let people in and it's hard to, to connect with other people because you're so concerned with my rights, my freedoms, my things, my way, my stuff. And it just creeps into each and every one of us. I've told you, right, I preach some of the best sermons to myself that I just allow you to listen to while I talk to myself, right? I told you that. But you've got to be careful because naturally we just start thinking, what about me? What about me? What about me? But Paul says, don't think about you. Think about how to give it away. You see, that win-lose mentality, it just refuses to understand that we serve a God that is a creator. But what Paul is saying, and he's actually just pleading with the Galatians here, he's saying, look, the best life that you will ever experience on this earth is one that is given away to others. The best life that you will experience on this earth is one that's given away to others. When you choose each day to say, how can I encourage someone? Or how can I be a blessing to someone? As opposed to waking up every day going, what am I going to do today? You know what waking up every day saying, what am I going to do today leads to? I'm bored. There's nothing for me to do about me. But if you wake up thinking, how can I be a blessing to someone every day? You'll never be bored. Because there is always something to do when you think that way. Always something to do. It's just this, this difference of, of where we're going to invest ourself in our life. You know, Romans 13 also kind of says this a different way. Paul's writing in a different context, but he says it this way in Romans 13. Starting in verse 8, he says, Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. Meaning, don't be burdened down with all these things that are going to shackle you down in life. Don't, don't get, and, and I can even say, don't even really get in physical debt. Just kind of stay away from all these things. Don't use your freedom to indulge flesh. But yet, the only debt that we need to continue is this continuing debt to love one another. For whoever loves others has fulfilled the law did you catch that Paul's talking to the Galatians about this difference between loving one another and your freedoms or the law 
But over here, Paul says, look, if you actually just love one another, you fulfill the law. The commandment, you, now, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet. And whatever other command there may be are summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. Isn't that amazing? What Paul's actually saying is, you're debating, Galatians, over whether, you know, you should follow these laws and these rules or whether you should be freedom in the Spirit. But actually, if you will just focus on loving one another, you'll do it all. This is how you actually accomplish everything. If you just focus on giving yourselves away and loving one another, you'll make all of this happen. You see, so how does this freedom then in Christ work, Pastor, if you're saying that I have freedom in Christ, but actually he's saying, well, to to lay it down. Again, is that really even freedom at all? Well, sure it is, because you have the choice of whether you're going to do that or not. Just because Christ offers you a choice to lay down your freedom doesn't mean that he didn't give you the freedom in the first place. You have the freedom to choose. But then he says, I'm going to give you this freedom, but I'm also going to tell you that you have the choice to whether to spend the freedom on yourself or whether to follow me and spend the freedom on loving others and investing in, in my work, and I promise you that if you will spend this on following me, that you will actually experience the best life that you possibly could. You have that choice. If you truly believe that Jesus is just lying about this or that that doesn't work, then you have every right to spend that freedom on yourself. But let's talk a little bit about how does freedom in Christ actually work. Paul says, I say walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. This is what it means. Freedom in Christ works like this, that you have freedom to choose to do and live your life however you want to live it. But when you choose to say, God, I am going to walk by the Spirit, I'm going to lay down my freedoms for the sake of others, and I'm going to walk with you, then what naturally happens is we lose these selfish desires that we have that focus everything on me. And we, we begin to get to the point where we don't gratify those things. They're not as important. Now let's pause for a minute. We are getting close to Christmas. Amen. Anybody want a present at Christmas? Anybody want a gift? All right, yeah, the whole front row was like me. Okay, so parents, all the students up here would like a gift at Christmas. You reach a point in life where it's pretty amazing. When you're young in life you just can't wait for Christmas because you can't wait to get right I cannot wait to get this and I had my list every year and if my list didn't get fulfilled every year I was very happy and loving to my parents and yeah right y'all don't believe that I can't believe that you know I was so thrilled about things you know it was just it was all about me at Christmas and what honestly you could ask me what everybody else got. I go, I don't know, don't care. But I got this. Look at this. That's it. And, and that's where the focus is. But something happens as you grow up, I guess, a little bit in life. And have you ever done this? Have you ever worked real hard and you've gotten a gift that you really want to give someone else? And, and you get it and you wrap it up and you take it. And then you're really kind of getting these gifts and you're kind of like doing this. You're kind of opening your gifts like this because you're watching, right? You're going, I cannot wait for this person 
to open that thing that I gave them. And then there's just something about it that just goes, oh, this is awesome. This is great. One of my favorite moments at Christmas was we drew names, and I had my oldest brother, and I knew he wanted this hat real bad, and I got him the hat. But I left it in another room, and I wrapped up this really ugly-looking jar, and I put a note inside the jar that said, your hat's in the other room, okay? You ever done that? And so we're all opening gifts and stuff like this, and instead of me watching in anticipation for the excitement, I was going, I wonder what he's going to do. And so everybody's opening gifts, and all this chaos is going on. I look out the corner of his eye. He opens it up, and he's going. And then you kind of get this face where he gets mad. You can just tell. He just kind of gets like, where it's like, I'm so ready to quit drawing names. You know, that, that type of gift. And I find you just had to look at him and go, dude, you got to open that. And he opens it, and he gets it. But then by that time, it's just ruined because you realize he's so mad, he's not even happy he got the gift anymore. You ever done that? And so that, it, just, it just works out that way. But, but there's just something about this type of thing. But I, I say all that to go, when, when we follow the Spirit and we get to this point in life that an amazing, miraculous transformation begins to happen, that things that happen for us or about us or to us, they, they become a little less important. And, and the way that we treat other people or can bless other people or engage other people become a, a little more important. Now, some of you only hear that I'm saying, oh, we should be nice to other people. No, 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 you're missing what I'm saying. What I'm saying is it's amazing transformation that begins to happen that only happens by the Spirit of God. That when we say, God, I'm going to choose to take my freedoms and I'm going to follow you and make you Lord of my life, that he begins to change a heart to where life becomes a lot more fun because it's not focused as much on you. You begin to get joy out of the success and the joy of other people. You begin to wake up with a mission that I have some things to do. I have a life to live. I have something that I can give. I have places I can go and people I can see and a difference that I can make. And it's totally different than sitting around going, what am I going to do today? And it's a lot more fulfilling that way. And so this is what Paul is writing to the Galatians, you need to do this. Now, I want to say this. There's, there's a little key in here. Because he's talking about being led by the Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God, who comes into the hearts and the lives of believers. But here's a little, here's a little something about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit only guides those who depend on Him. The, the Holy Spirit will guide you as we say, God, I depend on you to do this. But when we say, God, I got this, you know what God does? He goes, all right, you got it. And we don't feel that same sort of compelling. And see, that's the difference I'm talking about. If you only hear me saying, the old pastor's preaching to be nice to others, you're, you're missing what I'm saying. Any, anybody can try harder to be nice to others. But what we're talking about and what Paul is saying here is learning to live by the Spirit, to follow the Spirit of God as He prompts you and tells you, here's what you can do to bless someone else. Here's how you can live your life. Here are the things that you can do. And a lot of times those things are going to be contrary, because Paul says it here, they're going to be contrary to the things that we desire in our hearts. And we're going to have that struggle inside that says, do I really believe that God's Spirit is leading me in a good way, or do I really think that I can do this myself? And that's when we have the choice to say, am I going to depend on God in His way, or am I going to fall back to my ways and say, no, I've got this. I'm going to do this. So now let me tell you how you know. What is the evidence in life of whether you're walking with the Spirit? How do I know if I'm walking with the Spirit or if I'm gratifying the flesh? Paul writes this passage, actually, 
as an example for that because the evidence is in the fruit, right? The evidence is in the fruit. Ava, can you help me for a second? You can just sit right there. What kind of a tree did this fruit come from? Do you know? You know what kind of a tree? An apple tree. Very good. It's a, oh, you want to help? Okay. What kind of a tree did this fruit come from? Are you sure? You sure it didn't come off an orange tree? You sure? Well, what came off an orange tree? Did this one come off an orange tree? More like an orange bush because it's little. You don't think so? It did. It came off an orange tree. You know how we know what kind of a tree it is? By the fruit it produces. You know what I did the other day? This is free. I didn't even plan on saying this. But, man, we got some good pecans falling out here in the church parking lot. And you're welcome to pick them up and take them home. Because I've already got like 14 sacks of them from there. So if anybody wants pie, just let me know. And I'll tell you that Albertson sells them because I gathered all the pecans. No, I'm just kidding. We know what kind of a tree it is by the fruit it produces. So see, the evidence of walking in the Spirit is the same way. The evidence is in the fruit. Now on the outline today, I I, I put a little table there, a little thing for you, because I really just took the things that Paul wrote down here, and I put them side by side. And there's nothing super spiritual about this, and there's nothing really scientific about this, but I'll just say this. You can really look at these two sides of things and say, which which of these things describe more of my life? Immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, hate, discord, jealousy, rage, selfishness, dissension, factions, envy, drunkenness. Are those things that I struggle with? Are there, are there things that are still there that tear me down at times? Or, or what about this other side? Do I feel like that I'm at a place where there's more love and joy and peace Forbearance, it's another word for patience. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Now, like I said, there's, there's, nothing, there's nothing scientific about this because here's the truth. Hopefully, you can find something on the fruit of the Spirit side that you say, you know what, I, I feel like I, I do that. But the truth is, everybody in this room, believe it or not, is going to find at least one thing on that other side that they go, hmm. If I'm honest with myself, I have to say, I, ugh, you know, that there's something there that I don't like saying it's there, but man, it, it, it rises up. It rises up every once in a while, and I, and I struggle with that. And if you really just kind of take this and you put it side by side, this is what Paul is saying. If you will walk by the Spirit, what will naturally happen is in your life, you will start producing the fruit of love. You will start producing the fruit of joy. You will start producing the fruit of peace. You'll start producing the fruit of forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And you don't have to work on each one of those things. All you have to do is just follow the Spirit of God. But if you continue to just live for self and focus solely on what can I get out of life, how can I just drain it dry, how can I squeeze every drop out of it, what does it mean for me, then what's going to naturally happen is... It's going to lead down this other path. It may not lead to all these things, but it's certainly going to lead to some of these things that are on the other side. And you have a choice to make. You have a choice to make. This is the amazing thing. An apple tree can only produce apples. Right, Honeycrisp? There you go. Kevin got a name called Honeycrisp while we were in Minneapolis looking at things. It's the, it's the, uh, it's the state fruit of Minnesota and uh, 
And it's because he's so sweet that the missionaries up there said, just, we're just going to call him Honeycrisp from now on. So you can just call Kevin Honeycrisp. We might even put that in the bulletin, youth minister, Honeycrisp. That's it. So those trees can only produce apples. Orange trees can only produce oranges. Bananas can only produce bananas. But here's the amazing thing that we have the ability to do as a mankind created in the image of God is that God gives us the opportunity to choose our fruit. You ever think about that? I can choose my fruit. I can continue to walk through life mad, selfish, disappointed, angry, pointing fingers at one another, or I can actually choose to bear a different kind of fruit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness. I can choose that. And this is exactly what Paul means when he says, do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. So, you get to answer the question, what am I going to do today? What am I going to do today? Am I going to choose to continue down a path that maybe spends life on myself? Or am I going to believe these words that if I actually focus on others, that life will be more fulfilling and I'll produce a different kind of fruit that will be more meaningful than rather just focusing on myself? You see, th this series is called Together. And, and I just want to close with this one thought. The best place that we can offer as a training ground for us to learn how to love one another and for us to understand the truths of God and learn how to live those. It's in a small group. It's in a Sunday school class. And we love the fact that you're involved in our worship services and a part, but I would, I would just encourage you that if you are not a part of a group of people who are pouring into Scripture where you can dialogue. You see, you can talk back to me some in here, but it's kind of hard for us to discuss and, and learn some of those things. But in that small group, you can figure some of these out a little bit better. So I would encourage you to find that. But even more, I would encourage you to examine the fruit of your life today and make the choice. What kind of fruit do you want to produce? Would you bow your heads with me today?